back to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. My name is Amy Pons. I'm a master certified life coach and an energy healer. I'm joined today with Cindy Gallup. Cindy is a graduate of Somerville College, Oxford, whose background is 38 years in brand building, marketing, and advertising. She started up the U.S. office of ad agency Bartle Bogle Hegarty in New York in 1998 and in 2003 was named Advertising Woman of the Year. She founded If We Ran the World, Co-action software launched in beta at 2010 and subsequently written up and taught as a Harvard Business School case study, enabling brands to implement the business model of the future, shared values and shared action equals shared profit, financial and social. She's the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn, pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference, a social sex tech platform designed to promote good sexual behavior and good sexual values, which she launched at TED in 2009 and for which she is currently raising funds to scale the social sex revolution. He is a board advisor to a number of tech ventures and works as a personal brand life executive coach and a consultant on brand and business innovation for companies around the world, describing her consultancy approach as, I like to blow shit up. I'm the Michael Bay of business. Business Insider named her one of 15 most important marketing strategy thinkers today, alongside Malcolm Gladwell and Seth Godin, and cited her as number 33 on their list of 100 most influential tech women on Twitter and number one, number one on their list of top 30 people in advertising to follow on Twitter. Campaign has twice named her number one on their list of top 10 trailblazers. She has a reputation as a highly compelling and inspirational speaker at conferences and events around the world on a variety of topics. Her talks on the future of advertising and marketing have been tweeted as the most brilliant speech on the future of advertising ever. Not the usual buzzword-laden bullshit. Watching Cindy Gallup slice and dice the industry status quo like a, a Jinsu knife, pure win, and there must be a DeLorean parked outside because Cindy Gallup is from the future. Influencer con NYC introduced her as Cindy Gallup is the truth Jack Nicholson told Tom Cruise he couldn't handle. Together with Susan Cradle of FCB and Margaret Johnson of Goodby, Cindy is one of three campaign review committee chairs for the Ad Council in the U.S., helping to make the work great. Cindy is an outspoken advocate of diversity and inclusion in advertising, tech, and business. She was jury president at Ken's Lion 2015 for the inaugural Glass Lion Awards, proposed by Sheryl Sandberg to celebrate advertising that shatters gender stereotypes in advertising, and she'd partnered with AARP on the Disrupt Aging Initiative to Challenge and Change Ageism. Cindy, welcome! Thank you, Amy. I'm thrilled to be here. Your bio, my word and soul. Fun Cindy Gallup. Do it today. Do it often. (laughs) I love that you do that. (laughs) Fun, Cindy Gallup. I was just sharing with Cindy, you inspire me on a daily basis. I love that when I open my feed, that you are there always. I'm also very aware of what's happening. The people being reached out to directly by LinkedIn asking about your content. Oh, 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 yes. Yeah, very odd. For the benefit of our listeners, you know, I had a number of people who follow me on LinkedIn tell me that when they like a LinkedIn post of mine, they get a message asking if they found this post useful. And what's mildly concerning is that people say, I only get this with your posts. And so the reason I put that out there on LinkedIn and said, how many of you experience this is because I have a sneaking suspicion that I am being monitored by LinkedIn in some form or other, simply because of what I do, because of my company, Make Love Not Porn. I've noticed that all my posts about Make Love Not Porn are I don't think it's quite shadow banned because generally they get a few impressions, but very few. So in some form or other, they are being buried. A number are just 
deleted, you know, immediately, even though I'm not linking to our website, I haven't said anything untoward. And it was interesting because I post about my Substack, Dear Cindy, where I answer people's questions. And the most recent Dear Cindy was my holiday gift guide where somebody asked about my ideas for gifts. And so I listed out 20. And so I've been posting those suggestions piecemeal because they might help people. So I took a screenshot of the Dear Cindy post and the item was the one where, because I was very careful to have a spectrum of costs. One thing I recommended, but which I personally love is go to a thrift store, go to a garage sale, go to a junk shop, as my parents used to do with me and my sisters when we were young, and find a quirky, funny, very cheap, but very personalized gift there that will delight someone because they won't find it anywhere else. Um, so, so I posted this on LinkedIn and I noticed that it got zero views. And I was very puzzled, but, but then I realized that so what is frustrating is all social channels tend to bury Substack links because they don't want to send people off to a rival. What I had done is what people frequently do on LinkedIn, which is I'd said link in comments and I dropped the Substack link into the comments. But the visual that shows up when I do that is the first visual in the chain, which is a visual of, because Make Love Not Porn is also on my, obviously, holiday gift list. It's a visual promoting Make Love Not Porn. And I realized that that is why LinkedIn have basically blocked that post from getting any views whatsoever. And to test this, I then reposted the screenshot about, you know, go to a charity shop. And I kept the link in the main post. And now, lo and behold, it's getting views and people are commenting. So LinkedIn is absolutely bearing posts about my business, despite the fact it's mission driven. It's out to end rape culture. It is out to solve a huge global social issue, um, which really infuriates me. And, and, and so I suspect in some form or other, I'm on a LinkedIn watch list, which is why these messages are popping up, which is outrageous. I'm finding it difficult to stay calm about this. Have you been able to talk to anyone about this at LinkedIn? Well, here's the thing. I know people, senior people at LinkedIn, I've talked to them over the years about a variety of things because I've also, for years, campaigned for LinkedIn to address the issue of harassment and abuse of women. And all I will say is that all of my interactions, even with people I know, have been very unsatisfactory. And so honestly, now I don't even bother. Is there part of the game? And also there are so many moving parts of LinkedIn that there's a limit to what any individual can, can achieve. And, and I absolutely found that out again over the many years that I've been trying to make the right things happen at LinkedIn when it comes to protecting women. I was recently blacklisted for a moment from LinkedIn because one of my episodes for Women Making Moves was talking with an expert on pelvic organ prolapse. And we talked about because one in two women one in two women will experience pelvic organ prolapse by virtue of the fact that we have a vagina, but it's more more active in women. The fact that we said vagina, the episode title was Get Comfortable Saying Vagina. That's one of the bigger blockers of even talking about pelvic organ prolapse mm. because it involves vagina, anatomy, a body yeah. a body part. My post got killed. And oh my both, bloody God. Oh and my God. So vagina is in the algorithm to bury immediately. Jesus and H. Christ. To say silencing women, that's like yeah. a an understatement. It's yeah. Yeah. It, it it's saying we what I was taking that to believe is 
oh, vagina shouldn't exist. Like, really? Would it be the same penis? This goes into the larger conversation that we've come up a lot this week around AI and who is at the forefront and who's it. Someone is still coding all of these algorithms. You know, everyone was like, well, it's just the algorithm. No, um, no, it's the people behind it. It's the human coding it. And a vagina, a woman's body part, that's not dirty. That's not shameful. I love that you talk about pro-sex, pro-sex values and the pro-difference When you talk about in the social sex movement, the pro difference, what kinds of things come up for you? Well, it's very simple. And and for the benefit of our listeners, I'm the founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. As Amos just said, you know, we are pro sex, pro porn, pro knowing the difference. And I did not set out to start Make Love Not Porn consciously. It was an accident. It came about because I date younger men. They tend to be in their 20s. And I encountered very directly and personally The fact that when we don't talk openly and honestly about sex, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. I'm a naturally action-oriented person. I realized this 16 years ago when no one was talking about this or writing about it. I decided to do something about it. I put up a clunky little website at makelovenotporn.com that originally was just words, porn world versus real world. Launched at TED with a notorious TED talk back in 2009, and the entire world responded. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so I turned Make Love Not Porn into what it is today, a business designed to do good and make money simultaneously. And what we are is we are the world's first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video sharing platform. So we're kind of what Facebook would be if Facebook allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it clearly doesn't. And so when you ask what I mean by the difference, the way to think about us is if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, by which I mean scripted, produced, performative entertainment, make love not porn is the badly needed documentary. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful sex we all have in the real world. And what we are doing is we are socializing, normalizing and destigmatizing sex, bringing it out of the shadows into the sunlight to promote consent, communication, good sexual values and behavior. We are literally sex education through real world demonstration. And because we are a unique business, We have an utterly unique capability. Make Love Not Porn has the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better in a way that nothing else can. So in the 11 years we've been operating, we've taught countless young people that porn is not sex in the real world. We've saved numerous marriages and relationships. We've inspired communications breakthroughs within couples. Parents tell us that being members of our community has made them feel able to be more open when talking about sex with their children. Parents buy their children, teenagers and 20-somethings, subscriptions to Make Love Not Porn because they tell us, I want my kids to see what happy, healthy, loving sex relationships actually look like. And as with any disruptive technology, use cases emerge that the founder never dreamt of. So I was blown away when we first began hearing, as we do regularly, from survivors of rape, sexual assault, mm-hmm. sexual abuse. We hear from female survivors, male survivors, trans non-binary survivors. They tell us that Make Love Not Porn help them reclaim their bodies. We help them feel able to be sexual again in a situation where porn is way too triggering. 
And it's not just the people who watch our videos. We have a number of contributors, as we call them, make love, not porn stars, who tell us that being able to share themselves sexually in a completely safe and trustworthy space has helped them process and heal from sexual trauma. And that's a use case I never envisaged when I came up with this idea. And I am so humbled and grateful that that is the case. I'm a subscriber. I can attest. I love it. I want to see something real. You brought up something really critical. One of the things that I think about in terms of general society, not understanding how, how quote unquote, normal everyday circumstances could play into someone's trauma. I think about when I go get a mammogram, someone is handling. Oh my God. Ouch. Imagine a woman who's been through a Mm. sexual trauma, the likelihood, and I did some research about this, the likelihood of her ever getting a mammogram is very small. He does not want that re. And, and also, Amy, I remember reading this fact a while back and it really struck me because I'd never thought about this. But also, people who've been raped and sexually assaulted have real trouble going to the dentist. Because they can't talk? Uh, no, no, because they have to open their mouth. Oh, gosh, I just got the chills. I didn't think about that part. Imagine, you know, a pap smear, it can re traumatize. So I love what you're doing around presenting not only something real and saying, here's how real people in the real world have sex, but also understanding for trauma, for people for trauma, Mm. that this can help relieve Mm. by any degree, reclaiming their body, their sex. This is what people don't understand about Make Love Not Porn, Amy, because of all the barriers we fight and because I've not yet been able to raise the funding that would enable us to scale and also to be able to promote ourselves effectively. What you see on Make Love Not Porn, you will see nowhere else on the internet. I'll give you just one example of many dimensions that are utterly unique. So we celebrate the wonderful ways we all have sex in the real world. And so what we have is a number of Make Love Not Porn stars who are sharing how they manage their sexuality and their sex lives through real world health conditions. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have menopausal Make Love Not Porn stars who are sharing how that's impacted their sex lives, how they manage through that, how they manage with their partners. We have Make Love Not Porn stars with chronic health conditions, chronic pain, They talk about how they manage through that. We have Make Love Not Porn Stars with vaginismus, how they deal with that. We have one Make Love Not Porn Stars just had a full hysterectomy and is sharing how she is coming back from that and recapturing her sexuality and sexual self. And this is why we say we are telehealth for your sex life, because this is educational and inspirational for the many people out there going through exactly the same thing. And you will not see in any other place on the internet people dealing with this in their sex lives. Then something else that is also unique is, so I designed Make Love Not Porn to be fully diverse and inclusive. And as you've seen, Amy, we are. Our members now Make Love Not Porn stars range in age from 18 to 80, you know, male, female, trans, non-binary, straight, LGBTQ. We have neurodiverse, disabled people, all races, ethnicities, we're a global platform. But in the 11 years that we've been operating, we've discovered that Make Love Not Porn is especially a revelation to men. Mm. All men send us grateful emails, leave appreciative comments than anybody else, because we are something unique that men will find nowhere else on the internet, which is a safe space where men can be and watch other men being open, emotional, and vulnerable around sex. You would not believe the number of men who write to us regularly and say, 
I just watched my first video make love not porn and afterwards I cried. And by the way, we hear that from women as well. But for men to say that is especially striking. Um, I've been saying for years, I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, and men are just as romantic as women. Yet neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate either fact, and we would all be so much better off if they were. I picked up a wonderful Twitter exchange last year between two men. The first man had tweeted, as a joke, he tweeted, hey guys, I've got this really weird fetish. I've got this kink where I want to watch porn, where people are honest, loving, loyal, decent, and really like each other. And another man replied, and he said, there's this website called Make Love Not Porn, where you can watch real couples making love. He said, I watched a video where the woman said to her man, I love you while they're making love. He said, sincerely, I cried when I heard that. Make Love Not Porn is one of the solutions to toxic masculinity. And that's why it is criminal that we have still not yet raised the funding that we need. May this be one more step forward as we talk through this. You're giving such incredible information. And I love what you said about how it breaks down the toxic masculinity, because imagine the porn historically, as we've known it, has been purely in the masculine where there's one style. So you're talking about mainstream porn. And the reason that is the case, and I share this with our listeners because not a lot of people seem to know this. The porn industry is dominated by one massive monopoly which would never be allowed to exist in any other industry, but nobody wants to bring antitrust legislation to the adult world. So a company that used to be called MindGeek has rebranded itself as ALO. They own everything. They own Pornhub, YouPorn, RedTube, Brazzers, Men.com, Sex.com. And I'm telling you that because actually I have many female queer pornographer friends who are making brilliant, innovative, disruptive porn. But as with any monopoly in any industry where they have a stranglehold on the industry, my friends don't get the traffic and the numbers and the revenue they deserve because nobody can find them. And ALO's sites are ripping off their content all the time. So I encourage people not to think about porn as one big homogenous mass, because that's a bit like using the word literature to say it's all the same thing. The landscape of porn is rich and infinitely varied, but it is unfortunately dominated by this one monopoly, which means that the tube sites people go to most often absolutely reflect, you know, the male centric male lens. But actually, there are absolutely people out there demonstrating that porn, like any other medium in popular culture, could be very different if it weren't for the white men running into the top, which, by the way, is also true of Hollywood, TV, streaming, movies, publishing, journalism, everything. Thank you for that clarification. And so it's not so much that the content is only in the masculine, it's this monopoly that's seemingly controlling the content. And so what I found really beautiful about what you just said about those men exchanging is that the energy that we've been operating in for thousands of years, but specifically what we know in our lifetime, the past hundred, especially is that men, women both perpetuate and are harmed by the patriarchy. And so the world And people like you and me are feeling the call to bring back in the divine feminine to create that balance that we've never really had in this society. And when we do that, you see these men coming forward and being so grateful for the moment that they can feel safe space. Everyone wants to be seen and heard. And so that's why I would always say I'm an avid intersectional feminist and I will always give space to 
men especially to hear like, what do you need to feel safe? Because what we're seeing a lot is that because they don't feel safe, we're seeing all of this egregious behavior across the board and to, to usher back in the divine feminine to create that balance, you're specifically providing that space. And that's really, really beautiful. No, you're absolutely right, Amy. In the now nearly 15 years since I started this journey with Make Love Not Porn, one question I'm very regularly asked in media interviews is, so Cindy, why do you think we're all so repressed about sex? And I'm asked this question so often, I now have my answer down pat. Three reasons. Reason number one, centuries of repression, religion, socio-cultural dynamics in every single country in the world. Everything we're talking about is global. Reason number two, the patriarchy. Because historically, every institution, including government and religion, has been male-dominated. We as women have never been allowed to bring our lens to bear on human sexuality, and the world is a poorer place for it. And reason number three, very straightforwardly, is there are not enough people like me. And what I mean by that is the world makes it extraordinarily difficult to disrupt social narratives around sex. Many people have tried and given up. And I don't blame them because my life is shitty on a daily basis because of what I do. We need many more people like me who will not give up no matter what. I mean, I know you have incredible circles around you. I want to build something to build you up when you're having those shitty days. Like, let's all jump on a Zoom and be like, all right. Well, actually, Amy, I'll tell you what you can do. Okay. And this is a, a sneak preview because this is not public yet, but... We are in the process at Make Love Not Porn of revving up towards launching with a very exciting partner, a crowdfunding campaign. And this is a first, Amy, because over the past 15 years, you know, people have regularly said to me, Cindy, have you thought about crowdfunding? And obviously I've thought about crowdfunding. There are two reasons we have not had a big crowdfunding campaign to Make Love Not Porn. The first one is that historically, every crowdfunding platform has been the three words that I've been in my life, no adult content. Kickstarter, and by the way, I've approached them all over the years. You know, Kickstarter, absolutely not. Indiegogo, artificial demarcation. Sex toys, fine. People having sex on video, not fine. And as new crowdfunding platforms came on the scene, I would approach them and they would immediately discover they had a no adult content policy. So first of all, we were barred from using any of those. But the second reason has historically been, to my mind, the far bigger one which is successful crowdfunding requires the network effect. It requires people willing to say very publicly to all of their network, I funded this, you should too. People will happily do that with a movie concept, a video game, a piece of hardware. They will not happily publicly stand up and do that when it's something to do with sex. And I had evidence of this many years ago because my friend Karen Khan started I Fund Women, which is a wonderful crowdfunding platform for women entrepreneurs and business owners. And Karen is, you know, was a member of Make Love Not Born from the beginning, big supporter. And so when she launched I Fund Women, she said to me, I want to have you and Make Love Not Born on there at launch as one of our launch campaigns. And I love the fact that she welcomed us. And so I said, yes, of course. But my expectations were very low, quite rightly. We raised $50,000, which is a nice chunk of change. But I have to tell you, the number of people who wrote to me through iFundWomen to say, they all said the same thing. They went, Cindy, love what you're doing. I think it's amazing. It's so needed. I've donated this much. Please, please, please don't publish my name anywhere. 
So we had to crowdfund one person at a time, which is not how successful crowdfunding works. But that was many years ago. And so I believe that in 2023, we are finally at the point where the partner we're doing this with has a very large community and, and a lot of followers, which is fantastic. And I do believe that now my own followers, fan base, plus our Make Love Not Born community, I believe we are at the point where we can now really effectively, seriously crowdfund raise. So watch this space. Again, because it's us, there are due diligence issues. So fingers crossed. But that is when I'm going to ask for everybody's support to rally around me, because if we can make that work, then that will just be fantastic. I can't wait. And I will be doing that. Two things that come up for me is that one is not just women. We're still meant to feel shame that it's crass to talk about sex openly. And imagine shouting from the rooftops. And I'm speaking to back when I was in corporate a year ago. If I were to post that morning, I crowdfunded, make love, not porn. I love sex. Sex is amazing. And then going into my corporate job, I would be talked to. The number of private messages get on LinkedIn, Amy, from people saying, I love what you're doing with make love, not porn. I just can't say that publicly on LinkedIn. I can't like your posts. I can't comment on them because my boss will see. It's ridiculous. You're being watched. That's yeah. That's that's fucking ridiculous. And mm. there's this dear friend of mine who is a sexual empowerment coach and she has four boys. The moment her oldest at 16 got a girlfriend, she powered through what she calls the ick. Yeah, and yeah. No, she, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. She, she taught him how mm. to pleasure mm. Mm. a vulva and a clitoris. Mm. And, and mm. she taught him, she was like, my whole goal, this is my life's work. And she was like, listen, I get it as a parent, but power through and help them, if nothing else, like understand. Yep. No, exactly. I, I remember years ago, because basically for 15 years in, in the, I say thousands, but that must, must be millions over the years of emails that I've received about Make Love Not Porn from our community and beyond, there've been a ton of people asking for sex advice. And over the years, no matter how up to my eyeballs in startup stress I've been, I absolutely reply to those emails because they've nowhere else to turn. So I remember, this is years ago, but I got this email from a teenage boy who wrote to me and he said, I'm 16, you know, I'm having sex with my girlfriend. Please tell me how to make love, not porn. Because I want to know, but I know my parents will never help on this front. And when I get an email like that, I write back at length. Okay, so I wrote back at length. Yes. And he wrote back and said, thank you so much. He said, my girlfriend said, where did you learn that? <laughs> my whole I remember getting another email, again, this is years ago. This is from an elderly gentleman. And I think he was, this, he was in Ireland. So he wrote to me and he said, and again, this is because these people have nowhere else to turn to ask this. And so he said, you know, he was in his 60s. He'd been very sadly widowed like a year ago. He was now at the point where, it, I mean, he'd been married to his wife for a very long time. He was now at the point where he, he wanted to find love and companionship and sex. He wanted to start dating again. And he wrote and said, but I'm really worried, Cindy, because in the porn I've looked at, all the men have really big penises and mine is pretty small. And I'm really worried that I'm not going to be able to date successfully. And I wrote back to him and I went, there's a reason that they're cast and they're called actors, because first of all, those men are specifically cast for that. And secondly, the women are acting. 
And I went, it's not what you've got, it's what you do with it. And he was so grateful and said, you've given me the confidence to go out there and date. It's the intimacy. It's the buildup. It's the the teaching. You'll see quote unquote female friendly. I don't know how you feel. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, what I just always say to everybody is you don't understand the power of make love, not porn until you've actually watched our videos. You absolutely know what I'm talking about, Amy, because there is nothing else like us. And it's worth making it clear for our audience, Amy, how uniquely we operate to ensure that. So I want to contextualize this in the broader um, tech landscape as a whole, because for the benefit of our listeners, the young white male founders of the giant tech platforms that dominate all our lives today, they are not the primary targets online or offline of harassment, abuse, sexual assault, racism, violence, rape, revenge porn, Therefore, they did not and they do not proactively design for the prevention of any of those things on their platforms. And we see the results of that around us every single day. Those of us who are most at risk every single day, women, black people, people of color, people with disabilities, LGBTQ, we design safe spaces and safe experiences, but we don't get funded. And that's why you have not yet seen what the future of the internet could be designed and built through the female lens. So I designed Make Love Not Porn through the female lens to be the safest place on the internet because I designed it around what everybody else should have, nobody else did, human curation. There is no self-publishing of anything on Make Love Not Porn. Our curators watch every frame of every video submitted from beginning to end before we approve or reject and we publish it. No one else does that. We review every post on every member profile. And by the way, on Make Love Not Porn, your profile posts can be as safe work or not safe work as you like, but we review everyone, we approve or reject, and we publish them. No one else does that. We review every comment on every video before we approve or reject and publish them. No one else does that. We can vouch for every single piece of content on our platform in a way that nobody else can anywhere else. And we are tiny bootstrapping and have no money. And we've human created everything for 11 years. Imagine what Facebook, Instagram, TikTok could do with their billions if they chose to. Safety on the internet is not a matter of viability, it's a matter of will. And Amy, we take human curation to lengths that nobody else on the internet has even dreamt of. So it's not possible to even complete our video submissions process Unless your video is fully consensual, legal, everyone's over 18, we require full identifying details and two forms of government issued ID for every participant. By the way, every other adult site only requires one. We require two, including if you've chosen to have somebody else behind the camera. Even if you never see them, we have to know exactly who they are. We require two forms of government issued ID from them. It is simply not possible ever to even submit, let alone have published anything not fully consensual legal. But even when a video has passed all of those paperwork tests, we brief our curators when they are watching the videos to ask themselves, as I watch this video, do I feel the camera's in a position where everyone knows it's there? Do I have a bad feeling about this video? What we say to our curators is, you don't need to rationalize that. If you have a bad feeling, that's it, we won't publish that video. You know, when it comes to curating comments on videos, When we onboard each Make Love Not Porn star, we ask them, what language do and don't you want to see? 
in the comments on your videos. And by the way, our community is nothing but appreciative and grateful and respectful. But in their enthusiasm, they may use language that that, that make other people would rather not see, in which case we will not publish those comments. And it can be as idiosyncratic as you like. We have one make love not porn, so said, I don't want to see any comments about my feet. And we're going, well, your feet look great to us, but fine. You know, if anyone mentions their feet, we're not publishing that comment. You know, we have, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we have a number of trans non-binary make love not porn stars. And we obviously have their pronouns on profiles. But a make love porn star may present as a different gender to the one that they are prepared to be known by. And it can be very triggering to be misgendered in the comments, however grateful and appreciatively, and so we will absolutely not publish those. We also don't publish comments where people make requests. This is a fundamental difference between us and sites like OnlyFans, which are performative, because no one's performing for anybody. And by the way, again, with our members, it's very respectful. It's things like, oh, wow, love this video, would love to see the two of you do whatever. And we don't publish those because this is not a kind of site. No one's taking requests. No one's performing for anybody else. This is simply a window onto the wonderful sex we all have in the real world. We answer the question everybody's been asking since the dawn of time, which is, what is everybody else really doing in bed? And now you can find out. And there are so many benefits to this. For example, you know, at Make Love Not Porn, we celebrate real world everything. So we celebrate real world bodies, real world hair, real world penis size, real world breast size, real world vulvas. And the reason that's important is because you can talk body positivity all you like. You can preach self-love until you're blue in the face. At the end of the day, nothing makes us feel great about our own bodies, like seeing people who are no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. In a world where every message popular culture sends us, tells us, you are not hot, attractive or desirable, unless you are this skinny, six pack abs, look like this. Our members write to us and say, you made me feel better about my own body. You know, one man wrote and said, my girlfriend and I now feel able to be more open and central with each other because he made each of us feel better about our own bodies. And that's enormously powerful. I'll continue to share my experience with Make Love Not Form and just get as many people on board as possible. You had talked about the crowdfunding that's coming up. Are there any other moves that you're excited to be making? My only focus is Make Love Not Porn. I didn't choose this path. As the saying goes, the path appeared, but now this is my path. And my entire focus is on it. I still have to support myself alongside it, unfortunately, until I can raise the funding and pay myself the kind of salary where I don't have to do that. So that's why you'll see me doing and public speaking, coaching, consulting. But what I'm excited about is I've managed to keep Make Love Not Porn operational for 11 years on just $3 million of funding from one investor and all my own savings. That's an extraordinary feat. And by the way, I've destroyed myself financially for this business. I've jeopardized my personal financial security. So I'm now working to raise a serious round of funding. I'm working to raise $17.4 million, which is what I need to scale the core business and to build out several product expansions people have been asking me for since day one, including the zero to 18 and beyond version, Make Love Not Porn Dot Academy, the sex education expansion. And so it's been enormously challenging because my obstacle finding investors isn't always has been that I know that my investors are out there and there are a ton of them. They are impossible to find by the usual means because they all have one thing in common. 
Your willingness to fund Make Love Not Porn is entirely a function of your personal sexual journey. It's a function of your personal lens on sex and sexuality that's been shaped by your own experience of it. And obviously, I have no way to research and target for that, especially because sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside. The people who look like they would totally get it don't. The people who look like complete prudes well, do. And so my strategy for finding funding is I put what I'm doing out there all the time, as you've seen, you know, across all my social channels, you know, every media interview. I have to make synaptic connections happen that will attract those investors to me. Now, this is a long, slow, painful and highly inefficient process, but every so often it works. And so for me, it's always about finding the person who gets it, the people who get it. And I absolutely believe I will. You know, and so while, you know, the most immediate source of funding is the crowdfunding, I am absolutely continuing to work to find the investors for the full fundraise. And I'm optimistic that I will. I've spent 15 years parallel pathing two things, working to build Make Love Not Porn and working to change the business and cultural context around it. Because as I like to say, when you have a truly world changing startup, you have to change the world to fit it, not the other way around. And I am starting to see all of that hard work paying off. And so I'm hoping that 2024 will be our year. So that's what's exciting me. And so it is. There's, so we've talked a lot about your business, Make Love Not Porn, and the movement, more than a business, a movement of really values and sharing and education. And you're being silenced every day by major platforms because of the nature of the work that you do. So I know on LinkedIn, you're having to do just a lot of reposting so that your voice is out there all the time. But there was something that I really loved and it was almost a week ago. It's from James Clear Newsletter and it talks a little bit more about you and I really enjoyed it. So entrepreneur Cindy Gallup on how to build a successful business. There's a formula for success in business and it goes like this. You set out to find the very best talent in the marketplace and then give them a compelling and inspirational vision of what you want them to achieve for you and the company. Then you empower them to achieve those goals using their own skills and talents in any way they choose. If at the same time you demonstrate how enormously you value them, not just through compensation, but also verbally every single day. And if you enable the talent to share in the profit that they help create for you, you'll be successful. It's so simple and virtually nobody does it because it requires high trust working environment. Most business environments are low trust. In order to own the future of your own business, you have to design it around trust. We've gotten to know you, and I'm not surprised that you wrote it like this. Once again, an exquisite example of you finding the amazing balance between divine feminine, divine masculine. This is more the divine feminine where you see everyone's unique brilliance that you bring on board with you. And through that unique brilliance, everyone is seen and heard, which is all anyone wants to be. Tell me more about this particular post. Well, so that's something that I've been talking about in my public speaking for years, because basically, as I say there, the point I make is that there absolutely is a guaranteed formula for business success. There is a formula. If you apply it, you'll be successful. And I explain that it goes like this. Very simple. If you seek out and hire and retain the very best people in the marketplace, if you then give those people an inspirational, compelling vision of what you want them to achieve for you in the business, if you then stand right back 
and empower and enable those people to achieve that vision and those goals in any way that they choose to do using their own unique skills and talents, if at the same time you make those people aware of how enormously you value them, not simply through compensation, but verbally, vocally, every single day, and if you enable those people to share in the profit that they help drive, you'll be successful. It's that simple, it's guaranteed, and virtually nobody does it because what that formula requires is a high trust working environment. And virtually all corporate environments are low trust. And that is because the very nature of the corporate hierarchy is predicated on the idea that the person at the top does not trust the people just below them, who in turn do not trust people just below them, and so on all the way to the bottom like a champagne fountain. It's one big cascade of low trust. Trust is the single most important component for the successful business of the future. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's about exerting power over at each level, not not trusting, not a, not championing, as you like to say, instead empowering. Trust me, champion me, pay me, like in the ways that I feel seen and heard as a human. So thank you for sharing more about that. And it is really that simple. And it's again, back to the people that they don't feel that trust and respect for themselves. So it's not going to come out toward anyone else. So there's a lot to do out there. So as we wind down here, what would you say to people that both get your work and don't get your work? Is the conversation similar? Do you even entertain it? Are you in it to try to change minds? Are you in it to just have a healthy debate? What does that look like? Honestly, Amy, I live my own philosophies. And the answer to your question is I'm very much in the mode of my own philosophy, which is be your own filter. That is why my tagline across social media is, I like to blow shit up, I'm the Michael Bear business. I don't use that line as a bit of creativity, a bit of whimsy, a bit of fun. I use it entirely deliberately, because when I characterize what I do in that way, I attract me the people who want what I do, I repel the ones who don't. And I want to repel the ones who don't because they're a waste of time, effort and money. So with Make Love Not Porn, I'm very happy to have a brand and a business whose audience is self-selecting. And and I will just say to that, that Metropol has had nothing but a universally positive response from people all around the world for the past 15 years. My only barriers have been financial and business ones, finding investors. But I actually consider it a very good thing that my investors are self-selecting, by which I mean I can't even get across the threshold of most investors' offices because I'm a sex tech founder. And I have female founder friends with more conventional businesses who've been rejected 500 times. You know, I don't know how they do it because none of us needs any more thoroughly depressing meetings than we absolutely have to have. But by the way, sorry about the New York City occupational hazard, the sirens in the background. Hopefully they're on their way out. I I used to live there. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. So from my perspective, I'm not going to try and convince you if you don't get it. You don't need to engage. How powerful. It's not your job to convince anyone or prove to anyone what you do or what you can do. So amazing. Where do we find you? Right. So you can find me on LinkedIn, obviously. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cindy Gallup and do follow at Make Love Not Born on Twitter and Instagram as well. And by the way, do follow Make Love Not Born on TikTok 
because we are shadow banned on TikTok. And so I'd very much like everybody who is on TikTok to please go and follow us and like and comment on our posts because the moment we created a TikTok profile, we were shadow banned. You can find me on Facebook, Sydney.gallop, and our Facebook page for Make Love Not Porn is MLNPTV. And you can also find me on Substack. As I mentioned earlier, I started Dear Cindy, basically to answer anything you want to ask me. So people send in questions. Each week I answer one question. And I would love our listeners to go to Dear Cindy on Substack, sign up, and please, if you can, take out a paid subscription because everything from Dear Cindy goes to support Make Love Not Porn, given all the battles we fight and how much support we need. A couple of plugs here. Knowing that Cindy gets blocked and buried everywhere she goes if she mentions Make Love Not Porn, to all the listeners, please do as much as you can to share, to raise up any content that Cindy shares, hashtag fund Cindy Gallup. Let's <laughs> possible. Love it, and baby. Love it. Make love, not corn. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind of fun because you get to be a little bit creative, but it's absolutely ridiculous that we it, must. No, no I mean, it's absolutely infuriating. I mean, to give you some example of the scale of the opportunity, if we were funded and able to promote ourselves freely, we are currently banned from doing paid search ads on Google. But Every day all around the world, people search for Make Love Not Porn without knowing that we exist. And what I mean by that is the top organic search terms that send traffic to us are Make Love, Not Porn, Real Sex, Not Porn, Video Sexo Na Porno, Make Love, Not Porn, where they didn't know there's a company actually called that. One young man told me that he found us when he Googled porn that is not porn. He was so fed up with everything out there, had no idea what to search for to find something else. Fortunately, when you search porn that is not porn, you find make love not porn. That's how much the world wants what we are, the documentary to Porn's Hollywood movie, and knows it needs us. So you you can see the potential right there. And then the second indicator of the scale of the opportunity is, as you may or may not know, at the end of every year, Pornhub, the most visited site on the internet, releases a year in review when it, where it analyzes its gigantic trove of data across its huge platform and identifies the key trends. Pornhub released their year review 2022 early on this year, and they identified the number one trend across their gigantic platform as what they call reality. People are looking for real. And when they released that, I shared that all over social. I said, What all those people are looking for, though they don't know it yet, is make love, not porn. That's the scale of our opportunity and why it's infuriating that we are not free to promote what we do. We have to be covert about it. I might start saying like, hey, Google MLNP, just do that. Yeah, unfortunately, there are organizations whose initials make up MLNP. So that doesn't work, sadly. Dang it. Okay, I'm going to... But with with funding, we can overcome all of this. So I live in... Of course. So the number one, need funding, fund Cindy Gallup. Also, if you find any creative ways to share broadly on platforms to draw people to make love not porn without being able to say it, share it, share it widely, share it openly. Okay, Cindy, closing remarks as we wind down. I would just say thanks so much for having me on, Amy. This has been a great conversation. I enormously appreciate your support. And I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation once it's published across all my social channels. Thank you, Cindy. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>